0: Hello and welcome back to Strutton Parker's Be Inspired podcast series in association with Country Life. I'm James Fisher, the property and news editor at Country Life, and I'm your host throughout this six-part series. Some of you may have listened to our first couple of podcasts, and thank you for doing so. And this week, we're revisiting our topic from week two, residential investment, but with a twist. We'll be looking beyond the standard property or home investment to land, farms and estates and those truly unique properties that come to the market very rarely. We'll also venture into how owners of these properties have been diversifying to bring extra revenue streams into their properties. So let's hear from today's experts. We have Matt Sudlow, Head of Farms and Estates. Good morning, James. Thank you for having me. Good morning, Matt. James McKenzie, Head of Country Houses. Good morning, James. Good morning, James. Great name. And finally, Isabel Swift from our land management team in Lewis.
1: Hello. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Hello, Isabel. Right, so should we start with looking at some of the alternative types of property available for investment and why people may wish to purchase them? So when we describe alternative types of property, what would we mean?
2: Shall I kick things off? Absolutely. Farmland has always been an interesting investment in the UK. It's a lovely tangible asset, uh, which people not only invest in for financial reasons, but also invest in to enjoy. And that's always been the case over a number of years, and increasingly becoming more popular over the last uh, six or 12 months as we're in this pandemic.
0: Very good. And what, what is it about farmland that makes it such a an attractive type of alternative investment?
2: I think various reasons, really. It's often seen as a safe haven when it comes to investing money. Uh, it's there, you can see it, you can touch it, although it might not get some of the spectacular yields in terms of asset classes uh, where you might achieve high yields elsewhere. It's a popular form of investment because simply they don't make it anymore.
0: And I guess it's unlike a a student house or a buy-to-let, you know, managing the investment is in a way quite fun. You get to play with big tractors and cows and things like that. It's a sort of, you know, hands-on experience rather than fixing a broken boiler. Would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. Yes, I think it's always a learning curve. There's always something different to look at, um, diversified income streams on that farm or estate. Uh, And I think a, a lot of people have always been in love with the English countryside and will continue to do so. A lot of our buyers of farmland in the UK are British, but we also see a huge global demand. People very interested from travelling from all sorts of different places to come and look at farmland to enjoy.
1: Um, Yes, I absolutely agree. I think there are quite unique challenges to owning a farm as an investment. But if you're willing to look at different diversification opportunities, then there are lots of things that can be done. There's some quite traditional ways of managing farms as an investment, but also people are becoming really creative in how they do that now. And I think that recent lockdown and changing marketplaces and changing shopping habits are all expanding on the ability to diversify farms.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's it's definitely a dream of mine one day to uh, have a sort of what they call a toy farm, I guess, where I could have a nice a nice few sheep to hang out with, maybe some llamas, who knows, who knows. James, obviously, country life is all about the rural idol, and we all know some of the most eccentric members of society especially British society love spending their time in the countryside myself included could you tell us a little bit about the rural idol the English countryside and how that sort of brings up some of the more unusual properties and investments that we've seen on the market recently for me and my experience in this is that
3: I mean my priority of course is selling beautiful country houses And of course, there's always been and always will be a strong demand for those. If you have the money and the ability to have a beautiful Georgian house somewhere a couple of hours from from London that you can go away and enjoy and uh, be proud of is everyone's dream as well. But gosh, what always amazes me, and thanks to Country Life for this on many occasions, where you advertise something in country life and find that your buyer is someone who's registered with you but looking for something completely different. So very recently, uh, in the last year or so, we had a, a couple who were looking only for Lutchen's houses only in Sussex and ended up buying a Georgian fort down off the, the coast in Cornwall. So there are some really
0: strange things like that, and that's always going to happen. I think it's a sort of the eccentricity of the magazine almost sort of bleeds through to the people who read it, doesn't it? Moving on, when we're looking at alternative investments, what kind of trends are we seeing at the moment? Naturally, the ongoing pandemic has shaken things up a bit. What are the sort of late trends? I could start on that in terms of
3: where lockdown two is taking us. Lockdown one started it, but lockdown two is only increase the demand is very definitely, from a house point of view, something that you can enjoy everything in. So we've always found that people have been interested in sort of swimming pools and the usuals, but now the demand has really grown. Indoor pools, gyms, proper gym, cinema rooms, all of the things that if you're locked down, you've got space from each other, but you can actually go about all the things that you still want to do. If you can't get to a gym and you can't get to a, a sports centre or anything else, to have everything on tap at home is becoming more and more and more important.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've certainly been hitting the gym in lockdown. It's pretty much the only way to stay fit, especially now that the nights are drawing in and it's getting a bit closer. I might have to invest in one, maybe not today, but at sometime in the future. Um What about things like sort of tennis courts? Are they, are they coming back into fashion? Absolutely. Not only for
3: uh, obviously for tennis, but a tennis court, that sort of multi-use court, gives you the hard surface. And now we're going into lockdowns while it's sort of wet and mushy on the lawn. You've got to have somewhere for your kids to be able to play. Five-a-side or, or two-a-side football or whatever it might be. The family is now, uh, you know, far more important. So I think tennis courts that become sort of multi-purpose sports pitches
0: are becoming more and more important and, and more and more in demand. Fantastic. So turning to you, Matt, and looking more towards income diversification in terms of land, whether we're looking at farming or maybe stuff like vineyards, maybe sort of growing different kinds of crops for stuff like breweries. Are you seeing a sort of change in the market for that? Just thinking in the context of as an investment compared to, say, the FTSE 100, which with pandemic and a US election is bouncing all over the place, is Something as simple as 20 acres is a more sound investment these days.
2: But Certainly people are looking at all types of different land use. uh, And in the last few years, we've seen that increase quite dramatically. You mentioned vineyards, which are becoming a very popular investment, especially in the south of England. We're seeing a lot of people wanting to invest in woodland, land to plant trees, carbon offsetting. is is becoming a bit of a buzzword at the moment in our market so for all different types of reasons people are wanting land whether that's conventional arable farming livestock farming uh, I think that's always going to be there but these different slightly quirky alternative land uses are, are certainly on the radar a bit more when speaking to buyers.
0: Fantastic. And Isabel, down in Lewis, what are you and the sort of land management team seeing in terms of of trends on the ground there?
1: We've seen some really interesting diversification come through. Um, You've got your obvious renewables, which are um, a great opportunity for a lot of people, you know, solar schemes, that sort of thing. Additionally, I think that very recent trends such as vegetable boxes and things like that and delivery of food or kind of uh, packaging of food from your local farm shop and things has been a real opportunity for local farming businesses and hopefully that will continue. We've also got lots of things like camping, shepherd's huts, Airbnbs which you know it's not even just farmers it's people with a lot of outside space at home for example.
0: Fantastic. So opening it up to the floor once again what can owners do. Let's say you've just bought yourself a vineyard or a alpaca farm or something of that nature. What can you do with these properties to help ensure a good return on their investment? Matt, do you want to start with that?
2: Sound advice and management right from the outset is pretty important. There's a growing amount of property out there with 10 20 30 acres and often those areas of land have just been used as extended gardens or a bit of pasture grazing of ponies but people are becoming more aware what they might be able to do and not just seeking returns, but also getting that balance of learning something a bit different and getting some enjoyment out of planting a few vines or planting some trees. Uh, so it's, it's often new to that buyer. So getting the, the right advice at the outset, land quality, location, north, south facing slopes, all of that is pretty vital to get you off in the right direction.
1: I definitely agree that getting the right advice is really crucial to making sure that your investment is successful. So absolutely do lots of research at the beginning, make sure there's a market for whatever it is that you're trying to pursue, and then making sure that you're dealing with all of your responsibilities, whether they're statutory or just good practice, and make make sure that you're covering all of those bases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
3: James we had another good example of this is a couple who came out of London in Mayfair with a garden no more than 50 feet at the first lockdown and bought beautiful country house office with a 140 acre deer park which is quite a change from a 50 foot garden in the middle of Mayfair so there's quite a long or rather a quick learning curve needed. And I think one of the most important things of all is being able to immediately build a relationship with and keep on the staff that have been on that estate for a period of time before. You desperately need the loyalty, the assistance and the advice that the previous staff can provide. And, and in this case, the buyers of the property did exactly
0: that. It was imperative to them, of course, that they managed to keep all of the staff. Absolutely. And just going back to you again quickly, James, I imagine a lot of the properties you look after, I mean, they must be listed, they must have some kind of heritage status. Is it important to have good advice when thinking of maybe diversifying on those kind of estates and those kind of properties? Yeah, it is really important. And again, you know, you've got to take your advice on it with listings these days,
3: I think, are far stricter than they used to be before. And of course, it's expensive. You don't get grants for listed buildings or the benefit of VAT reduced or whatever. So one does have to do one's homework beforehand and really get an idea of what the cost might be. And that definitely seems to be a change now that we find that people sort of want the finished product rather than uh, sometimes finding it hard to invest in something that really needs a total refurb, because actually the cost can run away with you unless you're you're really using the right advice
0: from the start. Fantastic. And that that is good advice right there. And Isabel, just quickly on the land management side, what are some of the things that you've seen clients doing? Is it holiday lets? You know, we've seen shepherd huts. Solar panels, rural offices, all that kind of thing. Are these the kind of trends we're we're seeing these days?
1: We've been seeing more of in recent years, but increasingly is rural office space, and that's something which I think is only going to grow in popularity because people aren't commuting into town as much. They're not commuting into London, and um, so down in the southeast. We are starting to see people look into that with increasing abilities in terms of broadband and Wi-Fi, then that's working really well as well.
0: Very good. Very good. This one's going back out into the the floor in general. Do we think this trend of diversification is going to continue? And more importantly, is it something that everyone can do, whatever budget they have? I mean, is it something that can happen in a two-bedroom bungalow as well as the 20-bedroom Palladian house?
2: I I think personally, when it comes to diversification, it often comes down to location and where you are in, in the UK. And certain parts lend themselves to different types of diversification, whether that might be coastal, whether you might be in the highlands of Scotland or closer to urban areas. Diversification can take many different routes from a pure farming point of view UK farmers are about to go through a huge amount of change with agricultural policy changing as we exit Europe and already farmers are future proofing uh, where subsidies will be reduced over the next 5 years that's going to make a huge hole in in some farm incomes so they they're having to look at different ways whether that's converting old farm buildings to holiday lets, which is becoming increasingly popular at the moment as, as people can't travel so much and go abroad for their holidays, or the vineyards and, and the like that we've already mentioned. I, I certainly think it's going to continue at an increased speed than we've seen in the past few years. And James, I think
3: adding to that, your question earlier on, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, there are examples of two bedroom bungalows renting out the second bedroom Airbnb these days so where my my mother lives down in in Dorset nearly every single house in her village they all cleared out and found other places to stay and made the most of everybody staying in this country and were Airbnb and renting out their cottages and
0: houses for as uh, you know as long as they possibly could i was worried that my my mother was going to rent out The spare room in the family house is an Airbnb. The spare room happens to be my room where I live, but, you know, I wouldn't put it past her. So thinking of unique properties and things with a little bit of a, should we say, edge to them, a little bit of eccentricity to them, which is what obviously we love at Country Life. Perhaps you could all share the sort of the most interesting properties you've visited recently.
1: I was very fortunate, actually, to go and see a client whose estate that I look after for her and have a look at a folly that she's recently built in her garden. She's done it in the most fantastic way, incredibly sympathetic to the original house. She sourced the stone from a specific quarry so that it matched the, the original. And it's an absolutely beautiful thing. And it will be there for generations to come for lots and lots of people to enjoy. So that was really wonderful.
3: Without doubt, for me, would have to be the Solent Forts, Palmerston's Forts that we're currently selling. They're absolutely fascinating. I mean, of course, the only way of getting there is helicopter or by boat. And in fact, they lend themselves incredibly well to accommodation. But they're certainly one of the most unique things for a country house salesperson to be involved with. What's interested me more is in the amount of interest we've had and where the interest has come, what people want to use them for. Of course, we've had people wanting them potentially for hotels. We've had people wanting them just for their own private use, for fun, and to isolate and get away. And then one person we had was looking to grow legal marijuana on all three of them, because of course, the security was incredibly strong. So it's been as interesting being involved in the history of them and and the way they're built as much as who's now interested to take them on and take them into
2: the future. Yeah, that's certainly a very special property you've been dealing with there, James. I mean, we've been very fortunate over the years selling some of the finest estates and farms across the country. I I think a couple of highlights in particular must be the Dungeness estate on the south coast in Kent, which I think is the UK's only official desert. It's a wonderful property, very, very unique and. Uh, we were lucky to handle the sale of that a few years ago. More recently, we've been involved with the sale of some islands uh, on the west coast of Scotland. Again, a huge amount of interest from, from all over the globe and um, a really interesting property to have on the market, not least just to work out how we got people there.
0: Going back to the uh, what you said about the Solon Fort, James, we've seen a sort of uptake in the production of hemp as a renewable material and the sort of various other products you can make with it is it is that something you're seeing or hearing more about in the in this alternative investment side of things
2: personally i haven't seen it yet um i've read quite a bit about it in the media but um i haven't got as far as dealing with any clients properties which are going down that route but um i think it's probably a matter of time
0: very good moving on to technology, which we touched on briefly in our last podcast. But how is that playing a part in alternative investment? Are things like better broadband and carbon capture, is that you know making certain types of investments more attractive than they used to be? Now that everything is so
3: easy to get hold of and we can wander around people's houses farms, drone film, and and so on, we're so much quicker and better informed. And without doubt, it makes people probably look at opportunities that they wouldn't have considered before, because flick of a a switch, effectively, and you're uh, on a computer and you're into something that perhaps you hadn't thought of ever involving yourself or investing in. So it certainly seems to be able to attract people from a much wider audience now as well.
2: Yeah, I think you're so right there, James, that technology and use of drones has changed our lives dramatically over the last five years. Only last week, uh, we were in Wales, uh, looking at a thousand acres of hillland, And to be able to use a drone to capture some of the most stunning landscapes I've seen for a long time is going to make a huge difference to the marketing. And especially in this lockdown period, to be able to show people online some of these drone photographs, but also videos that we've made has helped us and, and helped our markets massively
1: technologies definitely influenced the way that people are diversifying recently from the obvious such as renewable energy schemes as James and Matt have mentioned through improving wi-fi and broadband and, uh, for rural offices and rural communities but I think also even down to things like installation of electronic vehicle charging which we're starting to see a little bit more of and there are commercial opportunities for landowners to install those charging point on their properties so I think there's quite a lot of changing technology around which will influence the way that people invest fantastic
0: and just wrap things up at the end as market and people's tastes and investments change what does that mean for you at strutton parker in terms of the sort of expertise you you have to learn you have to grapple with and instructing your clients is that is that part of the fun of the job learning new things every day
2: Oh, hey, definitely. Yeah, to be able to go to all these fabulous places. No property is similar to the next one. They've all got their different quirks and, and learning the whole time. And we're very fortunate here at Stratton Parker, we've got a huge team in the farms and estates sector but also a lot of supporting teams we touched upon diversification and planning and land management and it's a real team effort to bring those experts in when analysing the best approach for a sale or a purchase.
3: I couldn't agree with Matt more I think like all these things in in all trades we're all learning constantly and things are changing so fast. Certainly, my team and in the in the country house sales side of things, I think we've certainly learned learned an awful lot more about the way in which conveyancing is conducted and and the lawyers. We've had a lot more time, sort of one to one, discussing each of the transactions that we've had, and I think we just have had that little bit more time. You know, we're not travelling to and from apart from when we have been on appointments, of course, but during lockdown, there's just been more time to discuss things. And whilst it can be also frustrating as lawyers probably have more time themselves to pick up issues that one wouldn't normally find, it's a good thing too, because we're learning how to overcome those things. So I think everybody's benefiting and and we're always all learning.
1: I definitely learn something new every day. My clients have so many different passions which are individual to them. So I have to, in order to be able to deliver their their passions and their projects, I have to be able to learn about those things as well, become really familiar with them so that I can help them with them. And so I absolutely learn new things every day, whether it's a construction technique, whether it's something to do with viticulture and wine production whether it's renewables, you know, rewilding, conservation initiatives, there are, there are so many things to learn and hopefully that will never end.
0: Well, thanks for all your thoughts today. It seems there really is something out there in the property world for everyone and with a bit of careful management and advice, you can probably turn a profit from the investment too. Thanks for joining us today and if you've missed the three previous episodes, be sure to check them out as well. As to what's coming next, we'll be exploring placemaking for the future, community, and how digital connective play a part in the property world. Hope you'll join us, and thanks again. Bye-bye.